say the game is getting old Monday morning and your coffee's cold Life is not what you Hello everyone and welcome to A New Direction. My name is Jay Izzo and oh my goodness do we have a great show for you today. Are you an influencer? Hmm. Maybe some of you are saying, well, yeah, I think so. Some of you are saying, well, I don't know. In other words, you go, no, nah, I'm not an influencer, right? Truth of the matter is, if you listen to my author, Dr. Brian Smith, find out that when you were born, you became an influencer. From the very day you were born, you started influencing others. Think about it. Every baby that you ever met, does do they do something for you? Probably. They've influenced you in some way, right? And then, of course, you know, for you business people, which is most of you who listen to the show, you know, we talk about leadership a lot on the show. I've interviewed General uh, John Gronsky, who talked about, you know, leadership. I've interviewed uh, Special Operations Forces people talking about leadership, right? And uh, we always talk about the team, the team, the team, the team, the team. There's no I in team. We've heard it said. Matter of fact, if you watch uh, Scrooged, one of my favorite Christmas Carol, Carol versions of the movie, you'll hear the guy say, there is no I in team. Well, there's no we either, okay, by the way. <laughs> but there is an I in team, according to the author. Hmm. What are we getting at? Well, this is why you're going to have to stay tuned. We're going to be with Dr. Brian Smith in just a second. Before we get to him and talk about his book, Positive Influence, fantastic book. Before we get to him, let's see what we do every week, right? We're four-part people, physical, mental, emotional, spiritual people. Fact of the matter is... We never stay static. If we're not growing, we are, in fact, dying. And so we want to work on all four of these areas um, daily, right? And what we do on the show is, and we've been doing it for the last five and a half, going on six years, is what we do is we have you evaluate yourself, self-accountability. Hmm. I wonder who's going to talk about that. Just saying. We have you evaluate yourself on a scale of 1 to 10, 1 being this area of my life, and 10 being this area of my life could not be better. So, for instance, physically, uh, how would you evaluate yourself on a scale of 1 to 10 in terms of getting enough exercise, eating right, drinking water, getting enough sleep, taking care of your body, getting checkups? Scale of 1 to 10, 5 being average. Don't get alarmed by what that number is. Because this isn't about outcomes, this is about your performance. So what we do here is like if your number is a two, that's okay. That's your starting point. It's where we get better from. Okay, if your number is a seven, all right, well, you're getting closer to ten, things get a little harder. So maybe we're not going from a seven to an eight, but maybe we're going from a seven to a 7.25. And if you're two, let's just get to two and a half. Okay? All right, we, we, we're, not, we're, not, we're not trying to get from two to ten. All right, so your first number, there's your physical number. Second number, right, is the mental intellectual number. Look, here's the deal. We have to be an active participant in our learning. Matter of fact, what Brian Smith's going to say is that self-education is extraordinarily important if you want to be an influencer. That's your intellectual and mental development. It means you got to get better. you got to be learning about what you're doing. you got to learn your craft. you got to be better in knowledge and wisdom and understanding and how people work and, un and understanding what you're doing. How can you improve? Those take an, you being an active participant in that role. You can't sit and just hope things come at you. You have to go out and become an active participant. So on a scale of 1 to 10, in your mental intellectual growth, how would you say you're doing? 
All right, then the third area is the emotional area, right? Now, listen, Daniel Goleman has written all sorts of things on emotional intelligence and emotional quotients, and and it's awesome work. Don't get me wrong. I'm going to simplify it, though, right? Here's what I want you to do. I want you to think about it two ways. One, how well would you say you can control your emotions under stress and pressure? Brian likes to talk about being calm, not overreacting. He talks about that in his book, right? Because the truth of the matter is that's emotional intelligence. At the same time, how well are you able to tap into and understand the emotions of another person? Brian also talked about in his book that listening is powerful. Empathy is powerful. So we have to be able to be able to tap into and understand the emotions of another person if we want to be empathetic, if we want to really listen and tune in to another person. So if you combine those two areas, right, how would you say you're doing emotionally? And then finally, there's a spiritual area. And and listen, I know a lot of you will say to me, or many of you will say to me anyway, I'm not really spiritual, but the fact of the matter is we're all spiritual people on, on, on one level or another. We we have the spirit, the human spirit, the spirit that wants to connect with something outside of ourselves, and we we want to find a way in the midst of our chaos and in the midst of our uh, circumstances and in the midst of things that are not going right, we want to find a place of peace and joy. And there's there's ways that people try to do that, whether that be God or nature, or meditation or something else. We live by faith every day. You know, the crosswalk says walk. We believe that we can walk across that crosswalk and not get hit by another car. We push the button on our car, hoping it will start. Matter of fact, we believe it'll start and we do it and we drink the coffee, believing it's not poisonous. We live by faith every day. We want to connect outside of ourselves. The question is, whatever you're doing spiritually, is it working? And if not, what do you got to do to change it? But it does affect us. Right? So on a scale of 1 to 10, how would you say you're doing spiritually? Now, those four areas are like the area on the tires of your car. If one if one tire is too low, what happens? Harder to steer the car, get it under control, get it to the right speeds. If two tires are low, what happens? Oh, makes it even more difficult. If all four tires are low, what happens? Well, over time, you can destroy the car. So speaking of someone who's got his air and his tires to the right height. His name is Dr. Brian Smith. He resides in Algonquin, uh, Illinois with his beautiful wife of 30 years, Renee, and their two dogs, Maisie and Moose. Uh, during the workday, Brian immerses himself in finding business solutions to help his clients succeed. And sometimes this works takes him to some riveting locations around the world. His 30 years of business consulting expertise are why many prestigious companies seek his authority on their path to success. Raising a family, uh, and starting over 50 successful companies, developing teams, and influencing over 18,000 clients in his lifetime uh, has brought Brian prosperity um, and, and tremendous success. And when he's not traveling around the globe, Brian enjoys his time reading, which I do, cooking, which I do too, writing his sea do, which I don't do, and uh, being with his children, spending time with their names. So ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the show. Welcome to the first time, uh, Dr. Brian Smith. Brian, welcome to A New Direction. Thanks for having me, Coach Jay. I'm really happy to be here. Well, let's dig in uh, to this awesome book of yours, uh, uh, Positive Influence, Be the I in Team. Uh, you say uh, in the introduction right away, my goal for this book and this series, because you have a previous book, is to convey my belief that our individual influence is something we must be mindful of because influence is our single greatest responsibility in life. 
And I'd like you to expand on this idea of how influence is our single greatest responsibility in life. Yeah, so as you already pointed out, we start influencing actually before we're born. Uh, Our parents find out that they're going to have a child and we're changing lives and we haven't even taken our first breath. And of course, as children, we don't understand what that means. But as we grow older, we learn that our actions have consequences, that what we do, um, things happen. We don't really slow down and understand it as influence. In fact, that's why we've written the book this way, is we want to elevate our actions, that every action we take, physical action, speaking, emotions, body language, tone, all of it has influence and it matters and it influences other people. And you have a responsibility in whatever area of influence you are and you find yourself in any given moment to have positive control over that. And that's subjective to, to all of us. Each of us lives in our unique spheres of influence and only we ultimately can really determine if we're being responsible and if our influence is having a positive uh, influence on others. But everything we do has influence, which means that it is our largest responsibility as a human being. You go on to say that the main definition of the quote, I, and I did air quotes for those who are listening, uh, by the way, in terms of our philosophy is influence. However, There's another smaller, still important definition of, quote, I, individual versus individual. So help us understand the the small I, big I. Yeah, so uh, in our work, we are trying to redefine what individual means. To a lot of people, individualism is very selfish. Yet we believe that, and as I write, I am we. But when I am we, in other words, when I am acting together with one person or many people, which could be a business associate, my wife, my family, a department in my company, when we act together for a common purpose with common influence, we are individually one unit moving towards a common goal with our influence. And so the the, the large I to us is that bigger group when there's more than one of us together in commonality with common influence goals, we are the big I individual. And when we act alone, we are the little I individual. Neither is less important and without one, we don't have the other. So they are equal in our minds when it comes to the importance of their influence, yet they act differently, but are also the same. Love that, I love that. Let's dive into chapter one, uh, which is entitled Influence. Imagine that. You open up saying we risk diminishing the value of our influence when we ignore the influence we have on others and focus solely on the influence we have on ourselves. Uh, Dig into that a little bit more and help us understand that, pull that apart a little bit. Yeah, I think I'm speaking of selfishness and, you know, how we can focus too much on what our wants and needs are and forget about what fulfilling those wants and needs can mean to the people around us. Our decisions have, they're like pebbles in in water. They have ripple effects. There are a tremendous number of unintended consequences that we can create when we only focus on self. And when we 
begin to think of the I am we and really start to believe in it, it elevates what our influence is and the decisions we make for ourselves because we slow ourselves down and we start to make those decisions with the idea that that pebble, that ripple that's going to happen uh, might have consequences, might have advantages, might have disadvantages. And when we slow down and think about that, we overcome that thought process and we begin to expand the responsibility and the positivity of our influence. You you further make a statement that really stuck out to me here, and that was those who purposely ignore their influence can create chaos and destruction in their lives in the li- and in the lives of others. Help us understand that uh, a little bit more clearly, how purposely ignoring our influence, it, it creates the chaos and destruction. Yeah, well, when we, when we know that, for instance, that we are... Uh, suffer from angry outbursts or that we have destructive behaviors and yet we don't do anything to improve ourselves and we allow ourselves to self-justify and justify that behavior we're damaging people around us not just ourselves but we're damaging relationships we're damaging the the opportunity of people getting the advantages of our good self because most people that have destructive behavior aren't overly destructive people they are people who don't have control over certain parts of their life or they don't recognize the destructive chaos that they create from the actions that they take. And when they repeat that and do that over and over again, they take away the opportunity for others to have advantages from those relationships with them. And when we ignore these things that we really objectively know about ourselves, but we don't want to tackle because we're afraid, we don't understand, we don't want to go outside and belittle ourselves and make ourselves look smaller to others because our ego gets in the way. We take away from not just ourselves, but everybody within our area of influence, an opportunity to know us for the better person that we know and want to be, and that we can contribute to those area of influences in a more positive way. I love that, by the way. That's so eloquently said, uh, you have one request from the reader <laughs> and I thought it was a good one. Actually, you said, be honest with yourself as we dig into this book, why this one request, it, why is that so important? Uh, cause we're the easiest person to lie to because we tell ourselves there's no consequences mm-hmm. and, uh, we can self-justify, which masks over the lies we tell ourselves. We tell ourselves one thing, and then we justify our poor behavior, our bad decisions for something that benefits a moment, uh, a weakness, um, a temporary gain. Um, and we keep doing that to ourselves. And we habitualize these justifications, and we habitualize uh, these decisions and turn them into amazingly long-term bad behavior and bad choices. And we end up lying to ourselves in a grander way. And you also, if you think about this, people, you know, they'll say, wow, I wish I would have heard, listened to myself in my thirties, mm. or I wish I would have listened to myself in the forties. Well, what they were doing back then is they were trying to talk themselves out of the bad choices or the poor choices or the decisions they were making, but they were self-justifying lying to themselves and 
for short-term gains. I am so glad I didn't listen to myself in the 30s and 40s, <laughs> by the way. I, I, I mean, I didn't, I didn't grow up until, you know, 50. Seriously, I, I did not, I, I didn't, I had no good ideas prior to 50. I, I just didn't. I, I, my life, I, I always tell people my life started at 50. And that was because I took charge of it, you know, and, and I really did begin to understand, oh my gosh, I do have influence. I think for the first 49 years of my life, I did not understand I had influence. I, I really didn't. And, and I think, you know, and I, I wish I would have woke up earlier, but it was, it's just the way life unfolded, right? I think you say something here in the book that, you know, you talk about our past and that, you know, you kind of have to. I get, I, I'm, I'm trying to remember how you exactly said it, but we have to kind of make friends with our past and the past is the past and, and we have to move on from that. I think that's something that you say in the book that you, that you even had to do. Yeah. You know, um, in our first book, we talk about finding yourself. The, the first book is, uh, individual influence, find the I and team. And that whole book is about discovering you and discovering who you are as an individual in this moment, even in the past. Because the past doesn't define you. No. It, 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 it's it's a, a part of you, but it doesn't define you. Coming to grips with the decisions you've made, good and bad, mm. uh, is really important. Yeah. The bad ones should be lessons. They shouldn't, you shouldn't be uh, paying for them the rest of your life. You shouldn't be, you know, beating yourself up for them. You That, that happened already. Right. But learn from it and let yourself <laughs> grow from it. And that's what it is to come to grips with that and find that positive nugget in your past, even from the negative things, take that away and learn from it and carry it with you. Leave the, the, the negatives parts behind. And if you can't go out and find somebody that can help you understand it, contextualize it and turn it into a positive. So that becomes a positive influence in your life. And, and only you or you and that person can determine what that means. I can't do it. Even in our work, we don't, we don't define things for you. We lead you to a path for self definition and, and self understanding of influence in your areas of influence. Yeah. I, I what, what great word, uh, Brian, because, uh, and I want to encourage the listeners, whether you're watching us on DVTV or listening to some radio or podcast, if you're driving down the road and you're listening to us or, you know, you're watching us and you're thinking about your past and your past is haunting you. And I, and I, I want to just reiterate what Brian is saying. And I want to encourage you as well that, you know what, there's nothing that you can do about yesterday. There's very little you can do about tomorrow. And you got to live in the present and learn from the lessons, but don't let them haunt you. Because there's nothing good about that for you out there. You are actually inhibiting your influence when you are succumbing to your past. Because we all made mistakes. And I'm, I'm here to tell you I did my share. But you have to let them behind and, and leave them there. So I just want to encourage people, uh, listeners, um, to, to do that. Um, do you have anything else you'd want to add to that? Um, no, I mean, you know, I, as you know, uh, Jay, I like to keep things pretty simple. Even in our book, we try to lay things out for people that 
is easy to understand and also easy to apply in their life, whatever that means. Right. So the more simple we can make these things, the the better influence we can be through our work and the better influence people will have when they apply these practices and these thoughts and these actions. Well, speaking of application, because we're about to get into communication next, but before we do, I got to communicate this. First of all, you're listening to Dr. Brian Smith, author of Positive Influence, Be the I in Team, and you're listening to him here on A New Direction. Hey, folks, Epic Physical Therapy, my physical therapist. I think they should be yours, too, by the way. Uh, you know what? Whether you're recovering from injury, surgery, everyday aches and pains, or you're having some difficulty performing daily activities, or maybe you're a professional athlete and you just want to look to improve, feel better, listen, they'll customize a treatment program that's designed specifically for you. Uh, it's not a PT in a box. So when you want your epic relief, epic recovery, epic results, don't look any further. Go to epicpt.com. That's E-P-I-C-P-T.com. And Linda Craft Team Realtors for more than, well, I guess it's going on 39 years now. Uh, they have been helping people, thousands, all over the world. And you know what? They are the leaders in helping you transition in life. And you go, wait, real estate company, transition in life. What do you mean? Well, think about it. Every place you've ever lived has been a transition in life, right? Well, they know how to take that part, the stress, reduce the stress and the pain out of the real estate part of it for you. And they've been successfully doing that for thousands of people all over the world. So when you're ready to make your next transition in life and you want to reduce some stress in it, start with Linda Craft Team Realtors. That's lindacraft.com. That's L-I-N-D-A-C-R-A-F-T dot com. And we're back here on A New Direction uh, with Dr. Brian Smith, author of Positive Influence, Be the I in Team. And uh, we're going to look at some of the key traits uh, for someone who has positive influence. So let's start with communication, Brian. Um, I know we're, gonna, you're gonna, we're, we're probably going to hit on communication different parts as we go through the book. In fact, you say that. But one of the things you say is that communication doesn't solely rely on what you say or write. So what else are we talking about in communication? Yeah, your 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 tone, uh, your body language, uh, your facial expressions, um, h- how you start a conversation, how you end a conversation. Um, it, it all matters. Uh, as humans, we're, we, we listen with more than just our ears. We listen with our eyes. You can send an email that has no tone, no anything, and people will take it wrong just by the way you format the words and the way you imply context within those words. So it's more than just words. So in our areas of influence and as we communicate, it's important that we think about how we communicate. And that's where emotional intelligence comes in and understanding and being in the present and slowing ourselves down becomes so important within this area of influence because the only way for you to build a team is to communicate and if we don't do that effectively then we're starting off with with cracks to begin with mm-hmm. you one of the things you talk about is encoding and decoding communication um you know knowing who you're going to be communicating with, et cetera, so forth. We, we also have to have this part of whether we, as part of communication, of course, the listening is involved here, but whether we've lost somebody or not. And, and I found that to be an interesting thing that you would bring up in communication is 
it's not just paying attention to what you say or how you present yourself, you know, your physical, but also you should be paying attention to the other person and how they're responding to what you're saying. Got that right? Yes, you do, because we know what's in our head. And as, as, as we're talking to another human, we oftentimes in our mind, we know what the end result is. We oftentimes in that communication lack the ability to provide context so that they can define and understand where you're going, where you've been, where you want to, where you want them to be with you. And if you don't communicate clearly, specifically, then you risk there being gaps in their level of understanding. So it's important to engage in a conversation and understand if they're tracking along. Do they have understanding? Are they lost? And if we do that through proper communication and we're implying understanding specifics uh, and relativity and timeliness, and we call it smart communication because it follows the smart goal setting, which is specific, measurable, attainable, realistic, and timely. We actually apply that to our communication model. And if we're constantly doing that, we know that people can track with us and we're not losing them. How are we doing, you think? I, you and I. I think we're doing good. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're doing pretty darn good, too. On a scale of 1 to 10, I'll give us about a 9.5. How about that? I think we're doing well. Uh, the, next, the next trait that you have for us is composure and self-control. And, you know, one of the words that I feel has been eliminated from our vocabulary is the word self-control. And yet I think it is so doggone important. Uh, Help us understand why composure and self-control is so important to being a positive influence. Well, it's really hard to get a good message across if you can't be composed and maintain control. Uh, I'll give you a really good example of this, Jay, is today. Um, You'll notice that I'm at my house and there's some high stress things happening in our office today. I've been overseas for almost four straight weeks and Mm. I just got back last night. And I knew that there was a risk of me maintaining composure in my office today if I went into that high stress environment before taking a day just to understand the context of the problems before I got there. And I talk about my loss of composure in my younger days in my writing. And I recognize that that's a challenge for me. So whenever I find myself struggling with maintaining composure, losing composure, losing control, I have learned how to excuse myself from that area of influence compose myself, get my influence under control and go back and approach whatever it is that I have to still deal with, with a more clear and present mindset. So would you say, this is a perfect segue into this, by the way, I think you tell me if I'm, tell me if I maybe push this a little bit too far. This seems like a perfect segue to say that you took the high road. Would that be accurate? (laughs) Would that be be accurate? Yeah, you know, um, uh, my wife and I sat here and talked about, you know, I just want to, I'm like a bull in a china shop. And actually one of the pictures that's been drawn for one of our books is a bull in a china shop because that used to be me. And I just want to get in there and start scrapping with everybody and solve problems and then deal with the consequences later. But that doesn't work. It seems like it works. 
but there's damage that's done when you do that. And I don't care where you're at on the hierarchy of your organization or how important you think you are. When you take that position, that aggressive posture, you risk losing so much more than you will gain. Even if you end up with the right decision in the end of that engagement or if you waited, almost all the time, I guarantee you, if you would have waited, the long-term influence you get from maintaining composure, taking the high road and treating everybody with respect is so much better than still achieving your goals, but doing it and breaking some things along the way. Mm, that's beautiful. Uh, in, in, and you're so right. It's, I think it's so easy for us to, I, I don't know, for me anyway, I'm right with you. It's so easy for us to just kind of, you know what, bull rush it. I say it bull rushing, you know, you just, you just go, you put your blinders on and you just, just go get it done. And oftentimes what happens is you just blow things up on the side because you're not paying attention. Um, so I, I totally get that, which brings us actually to this falls into line with that. And that is the trade of accountability, which by the way, I don't think we really understand accountability very well. Do you, would you agree with that? I, I do. I, I, I think most people think accountability is, uh, uh, discipline and that the only thing that goes with accountability is discipline. And that's, if you, to, to hold somebody accountable is to discipline them. And I think that's not right. I agree. So I, 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 you, you and I are on the same page on this one and I'm so glad that you said it that way. So, <laughs> uh, so let's talk about accountability. I read something here that you, I think you wrote it. Accountability is what keeps humanity's tendency to do stupid things and chat. I, I just, I just saw that right. And accounting smooths out chaos. Um, so let's talk about accountability and let's talk about self-accountability uh, because we don't talk about that topic very much. So help us understand what we're really talking about here and self-accountability. Yeah, well, I, I have another example for that. I was on a phone call today. Uh, as I've said, I've been gone for a month and I've been particularly direct with a couple of people that work with me and they're long-term team members. This particular one's been with us seven years. And she is the one that delivers to me sometimes a lot of negative news for our clients. And she also ends up being the person that gets to hear me vent. And I had to thank her and apologize to her all in one conversation without her saying anything and say, look, I recognize that this is how I am when I'm on the road and, and we're talking about high stress issues for some of our clients. I recognize that I shoot the messenger. I know you recognize that that's just the way that I walk and talk through some of the problems we have, but I need you to know that I appreciate you and that it's really important for me to know that you know that I feel this way, I recognize this about myself and that I appreciate this about you. So thank you. And you know, that self-accountability, that's being accountable for how we treat others it's being accountable for recognizing how people react to us and what the expectations are. Accountability isn't just about qualifying or justifying or, or being held accountable to something. It's an understanding of our influence and what that influence means within our each, within each of our areas of influence. Mm -hmm. Something that you said that's really important to me and powerful 
in, in accountability is you talk about forgiveness and you said it is part of accountability, but it requires participation without participation from whomever you wrong. There can be no true forgiveness. Yes. Help, help us understand that a little bit more. Well, look, if, uh, uh, if you want to be forgiven for something you did, um, it's not as simple as going and asking a, 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 your priest or, you know, your pastor or some other person for that forgiveness or, or between you and whoever, uh, if, if you believe in God or if you believe whatever. And it's not between the two of you. It's between you and that person that you've wronged. And until you do that, there's always a gap between where we're at and true forgiveness. Mm. And that takes a lot of human spirit and a lot of human courage to go to somebody that you've made a mistake to. And it, it can be a big mistake and it can be the smallest mistake. It still takes courage mm. to go to that person and to say, I recognize that I made a mistake. I would like you to pardon that mistake and forgive me for it. I know I can't make it better or maybe I can make it better or whatever, whatever the situation is, because it's all contextual. But the first step is looking that person in the eye and saying those first words, which I recognize I was wrong and I want to move past it. Moving past it might mean we're not friends anymore and that we might not do business ever again or whatever the, whatever that consequence might be. But one part, that won't be measured in this consequence is that we didn't have this conversation. You didn't leave that knowing that I said I was sorry and meant it. Yeah, that's beautiful. I, and I'm so glad that you brought it up because uh, we don't talk about it enough. And, and I do believe that we need to do it. And isn't it funny how forgiveness leads us right into the next trait and that's humility. Because I don't think you can, I don't think you can, Go to somebody and ask for forgiveness if you're not humble. No. And so, and and humility is so important. And, and, and humility is hard. I mean, would you not agree that humility, humility is, a, it's, it's difficult on several levels, right? It's difficult, I think, for us to, first of all, define it well. I think it's difficult to do that. But then I think it's also difficult to, you know, carry it out would you agree with that yeah it's scary i mean just just uh, the, the most humans aren't built to accept that kind of uh of uh, emotion and to move through it in a positive way it's mm. a scary thing to do and uh what makes it scary you can't define What's scary to me isn't what's scary to you and what's scary to my children and, mm. and what we will be humble for and won't be humble for. It's different from each person. You have to find these things within yourself. You have to have some self-understanding and understand the influence of our actions individually before you can even define what humility might even mean as a challenge for you. And it's why people with larger egos have more trouble with this. The bigger the ego, the harder it is for them to have humility because they think they're better and they think they're better for reasons and maybe they are better for reasons, but that doesn't make them a better human being. It makes them better at X. Mm. And there's a difference between being better at selling widgets than 
being a better human. Right. And none of us are a better human than anybody else. No, I, 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 I totally agree. And, you know, I, I heard it said, and I don't know who said it, um, but I, I heard it said that when it comes to understanding humility, it's not thinking of yourself uh, too big. It's not thinking of yourself too small. Um, it's just thinking of yourself just right is the way I've heard humility because you do make a really important point here in this section. You said that humility does not mean that you have to be meek or lack a realization of your importance. That would go against what we believe as a poor tenant of the series. Instead, being humble strengthens us against those who are arrogant, egotistical, and self-absorbed, those who cannot get out of their own way. That's yeah. pretty good, man. Yeah, and that's exactly what, I mean, that's what we believe. So we believe everything matters. Everybody matters. Mm. And um, when you forget that, well, you're already behind. Um, and they give it a lot of catching up to do. So we hope that this body of work that we have here will help people slow down, get back into a present moment, and really think, really deeply think about what these concepts mean within their areas of influence, because each of us has this in our area of influence somewhere. Mm. All of us, doesn't matter where you're at. You right. could be a ditch digger or a doctor. Right. You have this in your area of influence. Humbling yourself before your team, one of the most difficult things I think for leaders to do. Talk about its importance and influence. Yeah, well, um, you ever see that uh, meme where the leader, there's a boss and there's a leader and the leader's out there with the the people pulling the trailer and then you got the boss sitting in the trailer whipping everybody along. (laughs) You know, a humble leader uh, identifies his place and is transparent about his place. The best example I have, at least in our area of influence, is we own a number of companies. We own 43 companies on top of uh, our consulting practice. And I was out in a warehouse dealing with a conflict between the office people and the warehouse people. And we were in the warehouse, and the warehouse person was telling the office people, I'm not your boss. So don't look to me for answers. Mm. And I had to look at her and say, but, but you are. <laughs> You're my boss. Right now, I'm in your area of influence in oh. our company. I don't know anything about this warehouse other than I know what widgets we sell here. And you're the boss. You're going to tell me where to stand, what to do. And if I do something that's not procedurally correct, I'm going to listen to you. And if I didn't, then I'm not a leader. And I don't deserve to be a leader. If I'm one of those do as I say, not as I do type of leaders, I'm, I'm, I'm already stopped being a true leader. So I have to humble myself every time I step into one of our team members' area of influence and put them above me and listen to what they have to say because that's what they're there for. And we should remember that as leaders, wherever we are within our organizations or within our areas of influence. That's really good. Uh, I'm just going to make one last comment on this before we go to break. And that is something that you said uh, towards the end of this section. You said confident humility is knowing one's worth without inciting the needs of the ego. You you may want to sell that somewhere. 
Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, you may want to sell. You may want to buy, you know, build one of those signs for everybody's office. And and I don't know what kind of picture you want to put on the back of it. I, I don't if it's a rhinoceros or whatever you want to put on it. But it, you need to that you need to sell confident humility is knowing one's worth without inciting the needs of ego because that's really 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 good. That's super good. Man, I, I, Thank you, Coach Jay. I appreciate that. That really is good. Uh, his name is Dr. Brian Smith. Uh, book is entitled uh, Positive Influence. Uh, be the I and team. And I do need to say that there is a co-author here, Mary Griffin, which is your daughter. Is that correct? Yes, that's my daughter. Yeah. And uh, and I did not mention her. And I, Mary, if you're watching the show or listening to the show, I did not mean to neglect you. I promise I did. I know I'm supposed to do this in person. Please forgive me for omitting you the first time I said it, okay? And if I have to, I will make that phone call to you and personally ask for you for your forgiveness. Uh, you're listening to Dr. Brian Smith here on A New Direction. Uh, hey, folks, Epic Physical Therapy. Listen, um, they offer the most advanced uh, top-of-the-line treatments, you know, things like they have equipment like the Alter-G anti-gravity treadmill, the Normatec compression sleeves, Game Ready, my favorite. That's just a few. They're trained and certified in the most comprehensive cutting-edge strategies. And things like blood flow restriction therapy, dry needling, cupping in, that's just a few. Look, here's the deal. When you're ready for your epic relief, your epic recovery, your epic results, regardless if you're a person just like me or, you know, Brian Smith or you're an athlete, a professional athlete, listen, you can get it all right there. Just go to epicpt.com. That's E-P-I-C-P-T.com. And Linda Craft Team Realtors for now going to be 39 years. They've been serving the world, and they're known as the legends of customer service. Uh, they just had Pie Day for Thanksgiving, gave out over 600 pies to past clients. And and uh, you know what? Clients from 1985 still show up at the door and uh, say hello. And, and, you know, it's a really cool moment when you see those people uh, come in and say, you know what, she's just a legend. And... She's carried on that tradition, continues to do that with her team to this day. So listen, when you're ready to um, buy your home, sell your home, do it with the Legends of Customer Service. Do it with Linda Craft Team Realtors. That's lindacraft.com. That's L-I-N-D-A-C-R-A-F-T dot com. And we're back here on A New Direction uh, with my friend. I think I could call him friend. I feel like I could call him friend. Shoot, I'm just going to call him friend anyway. Uh, Dr. Brian Smith, uh, his co-authored book with his daughter, Mary Griffin, entitled Positive Influence, Be the I in Team. Uh, fabulous book. Uh, are you enjoying yourself so far on this? Uh, oh, Coach Tay, this is a lot of fun. Okay, good. Yeah, thank you so much. <laughs> you're, you're welcome. Um, you've got five qualities that are the most basic in the team environment. The first, it, I'll just go through them. Uh, there's trust, stability, kindness, structure, and respect. Uh, when you think about trust, stability, kindness, structure, and respect, is there one that stands out to you more than the others that you go, okay, you know what, this one is ex extraordinarily critical, or this one is, or they have got to all work together in some way, form, or fashion? No, I think it starts with kindness. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. I think to, yeah, I think everything is built off that. You can be kind to anybody. Um, it doesn't take but a smile or holding the door for somebody to start kindness. And if, if, if you're a kind person, all the other things will happen. If you're an unkind person, uh, 
you might not get any of those other things ever. I thought you were going to say trust. I really did. When I thought about asking you this question, I I thought, oh, he's going to go. He's going to come back with trust. No, you you. But kindness makes so much more sense. (laughs) 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 It just it just does. Well, I started thinking about as soon as you said it. You know, we talk about no like and trust, right? And the truth of the matter is, you know, we don't give our money to people we don't trust. We don't trust people we don't like. And we don't like people we don't know. But when we're kind, we build likability. Yeah. And if we, and if so, through kindness, we actually do get to trust. And so, wow, it's good for you. Thanks for, thanks for punching me in the mouth on that one. That's awesome. Can I share something with yeah, you? Yeah, no, please do. So, uh, uh, for 2024, we have a new initiative. And Renee, my wife, who wrote the forward of this book, uh, dropped on me one day that she had not done her three things that she likes to do every day. And, and we've been married over 30 years. And I said, What are you talking about? She goes, Well, every day I wake up, and my one goal, one goal is to do three kind acts. Hmm. And I said, how can we be married for 30 years and I not know that you go through every day with the goal of doing three kind acts? So we started a foundation that we're taking out next year called Three Kind Acts a Day. And our goal is that every person does three kind acts a day. And our motto is imagine 8 billion people doing three kinds acts a day. That's 24 billion kind acts a day. What kind of a world would we live in? All of those other parts of, of team development would fall into place if we did that with just one human doing three kind acts. Okay, this is a foundation. This is is, is there a website? Is there some place we can go to? There will be. Yeah, uh, come January, everything will be rolled out to the world. Yes. Uh, okay, so you and I, you and I are talking, of course, you know, online, and uh, you've got to send me information so that I can include this on the write up of the show. I will. And that's why kindness is so important. Just think about that, you know, it, what yeah. it does to us as a, as a race and how simple that is for us in, in, in any city you live in. No, no, I, I'm a firm believer in kindness. I think kindness is uh, underrated as a powerful tool to break down barriers. Yes. Um, and I, and I think as I, as I mentioned, it's already a precursor to trust. You know, because yes. it's part of likability, and so, and you know, the more kindness, the co- more kindness we share creates stabi- stability. And so, uh, I'm, you're not, you're not, you don't have to sell me. I mean, I'm, I'm all in. I, I'm all in, and and yeah, I'm, I'm in. Let's do it. Let's do three. Let's do three kind acts. I and I challenge the listeners do three kind acts a day. I love that. I, what yeah. is, what a great thing! I love that. Yeah. It'll change you. Now I start counting, and we're gonna. I mean, it's a challenge sometimes to count it out, and you would think it would be easy, but it's no. It's actually quite hard sometimes. Yeah. Wow, isn't that something what you can learn about your spouse? Right. I mean, I learned things about my. We've married twenty five years. And I just learned things about her. And I was like, oh, really? Wait, That's what makes it fun. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. It does make it kind of fun, doesn't it? Uh, yeah. 
Chapter two, understanding the responsibility, uh, which we briefly talked about that we're, we have responsibility, but I want to jump to something in particular in this chapter that I want you to talk about because I know it's something I hear often and it's the issue of balance. And, uh, and cause we, I hear this thing about work-life balance a lot and I have my opinions on it and my thoughts on it, but help us understand in terms of responsibility and balance and influence, what are we, what are you talking about here? Yeah. So, you know, that's a very subjective thing yeah. for everybody. Yeah. And I tell, I tell my kids, I tell my friends, my family, I'll never retire. I love my work. I don't want to neglect my family, however. And we ended up living in Oregon for eight years because the carpet cleaner was at our house in Colorado. And my son looked at him at the age of three and a half and said, would you play with me? My daddy's never home. And I came home from a trip and Renee told me that story. And I immediately looked for a place to move us that would slow me down allow me to work, but also include my family in a more direct and present way. So we moved to Southern Oregon for eight years. And uh, we grew our company from this small town in the mountains of Oregon so I could fix that. But balance to each of us means something different. Yeah, You have to find what that means in your area of influence with the family structure you have, with the life you've chosen. And you need to define that. And then once you define it, go for it. And only you and the people in your sphere of influence know what that means. And we can't tell you. Nobody can tell you what that means. Only you can define that. Once you sit down, figure it out, then you can go for it. And I'm so glad that you you phrased it that way because that's the way you phrase it in the book. And because I do think there's a misnomer here that somehow when we talk about work-life balance, that what we're talking about is I got to have the exact same number of hours of day at play than I do at work. And that's, that's just not a reality. Um, I, I have, I have said to people, honestly, and my wife will vouch for this and she, she's going to be listening to the show because she's, um, both my biggest fan and biggest critic of what I do here. Um, and I, if I were to spend as much time with my wife as I spend at work, she would she would eventually just say i have got to leave please because i cannot take you any longer right because it just it's it just doesn't it doesn't equate that way um that we don't we just don't we just don't work that way but it is very very subjective i want to move uh we got very little time here left and i do want to talk about listening um a little bit more in depth because you say that listening is more than an act it's an art and I would like you to talk about that a little bit because I do believe influence requires listening. Uh, it does. And you, you influence by listening and people forget that. Um, and we have this saying everywhere we go, listen to learn. Um, and if you start with that as a foundation of listening, everything else will follow along after it. So if you are in a conversation, listening to learn is not just hearing the words, but looking at the person, tracking how they're communicating with you, watching their body language, the the tone that they use, the the, the animation that they have. You learn so much about that human, what excites them, what they don't like. If they talk about something that is distasteful to them, 
the words, if you were just listening to the words, you might not pick up on it, but you might see in their facial expression or in their body language that they don't like it. And it helps contextualize. It helps you empathize better with whatever, if, if that's required. It helps you get emotionally balanced with them on the same plane so that whatever it is that's being conveyed between you can be appreciated at a level that they will appreciate that, that, that they can see that you're also doing that. When you listen in this way, people recognize that. There's nothing, I won't say that, there's not a lot more frustrating than having a conversation with somebody and they're doing this with their phone or they're looking off into space somewhere and they ask you to repeat yourself two or three times or they do the uh-huh, 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 but they can never reiterate back to you some common or some key points. And it's very frustrating. So listening is the foundation of communication, but it's also the foundation of relationships. So we got just a minute or so here to go. Um, first of all, it's gone really fast. Uh, yes. It, it, you've been great. Um, if you could give people a new direction based on positive influence, what would be your final words on positive influence and giving folks a new direction in this area? Yeah. I always like to end, Jay, with you matter. Whoever you are, your influence matters. Wherever you're at today, it matters. And if you don't like where you're at today, slow down and find your path to where you want to be. It could take a long time or a short time, but all along the way, you will matter and you will always matter. And if you keep that in mind and you keep moving towards whatever it is or wherever you want to be, you will get there eventually and you will get there in a positive way that you can be proud of and look forward to. That's beautiful. Tell people how to get a hold of you, Dr. Smith. Yep. The best way to get a hold of us is at our website, iabusinessadvisors.com, um, or follow us on social, um, uh, IA Business Advisors or the IN Team Series. The IN Team Series is our book series and our thought management series. And we're on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Awesome. Stay with me, will you please? Uh, folks, this is the show. You know what I say to you every week. You're in control of three things in your life, your attitude, your effort, and your resiliency. You know, I know that you can have circumstances that could be tough and things can be very difficult, but you know what? You can choose your attitude. It may be difficult, but you do have that choice. And your effort is tied to your excellence. So how excellent can you be today? Choose that because you have that choice in your effort. And then finally, you know what? We all get punched in the mouth. We all get knocked down, but it's up to you to get back up again. Choose to get back up. I know you can. I'm going to be back next week with another great guest. It's going to be another great book, which means automatically it's another great show. As I say to you all over, you know what that is, and that is, you know what, you had lots of choices. You chose us. Thank you. Give us a thumbs up on YouTube. Wherever you're listening to the show, you know what, give us a positive review. We'd appreciate it. As I say to you all over the world, I thank you and ciao, everybody. To go a different way, yeah The time has come Your dreams will take you places You have never been before Find your passion, find your strength